You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Y'all grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Go to Romans 5. Romans 5, y'all. We are, we are um, traveling, y'all, through um, the book of Romans. We've been in today. We will jump right in chapter 5. We'll jump in chapter 5. And when you have that open, why don't you um, stand to your feet? I'll read the first 11 verses here in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. While, while you guys are turning, y'all, I want to I wanna also just celebrate God for for those, the, the many of you who work behind the scenes here at Faith Community to make sure sound is right and screens are done and lyrics. Man, help me celebrate God for our media and AV team, right? Uh, our worship team as well and the band for week after week tirelessly serving, right, to enhance our worship here. We're grateful for all of you guys um, for your hard work and dedication to the Lord here at Faith Community. Romans, Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, reads this way. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Here it is. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, made right, by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and the doers of his word. You may grab your seats this morning. Y'all, we're continuing through Romans, jumping back in, right? And we will today, as we look at this, these 11 verses, here in Romans 5, I want to I can't preach from a subject, living my best life, living my best life. Um, 
living my best life. I know somebody already went to their favorite song and started shaking Lanisha because it, it threw some stuff on your mind, but, but we are living um, our best life. What is, it, uh, what is it that brings you joy? Now, I want you to really be honest, right? Be honest with yourself, and you don't have to um, answer out loud, but in your own heart, in your own thoughts, really. What, what is it that brings you joy? When you really begin to think about living your best life, what is it that causes you to live your best life? Is it money in the bank? Is it a promotion on your job? Is it being understood by everybody else, right? Uh, is it having a good credit score? Is it all of your relationships healthy, right? What is it that brings you joy? What is it that helps you or um, um, pushes you to live your best life? What is it that brings you the most joy in life? Here's another question. When you know what that is, how do you cultivate that? What is it? What is it about this thing that brings you joy? That's a question that I've really had to even wrestle through in my own life as I desire, right, to give glory to the Father in every step. I had to ask myself, Mike Bird, what is it that brings you joy? How do you cultivate it? What are the distractions in your life that's keeping you, right, um, 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 away right from that, right? What is it that's keeping you bound? I had to ask myself, what is it that brings me joy? But the more and more I thought about it, I realized that the greatest joy that I could ever have in this life is not money in the bank. The greatest joy that I can have in this life, right, as much as I love my family, it is not having a healthy relationship with my family. I realized, right, that the greatest joy in life is really being right with God. Because being right with God affects how I view money. Being right with God affects how I view work. Being right with God affects how I live in the context of family while living on mission. Being right with God affects every area of my life. Why? Because when I'm right with God, I view everything from a gospel lens. I realize that if I'm right with God, it means that I belong to God. And if I belong to God, I want to view everything in my life from a view of God, meaning that I realize nothing I have belongs to me. Nobody that I'm in relationship with, I own. But really, God is sovereign. It is he that is in control. It is God that is infinite ruler, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light over. It is God. Therefore, the greatest Joy in my life is to be right with God. And that's what, that, that's what I want to yell today as we really begin to unpack these 11 verses. Understand that life brings many different joys, but your greatest joy, your greatest shout, your greatest fuel of worship, the greatest thing you could ever have is to be right with God. One of the greatest things, y'all, that we experience as children of God is this word that we've been talking about, right, called justification. Now, when we think about Romans, right, Romans, right, is this book that is heavy with doctrinal or theological truths that many people tend to ignore and don't ever want to talk about, right, because we don't know how to make this thing practical. 
right? We, we, what has happened, right, um, in our culture today is that we see people loving theology more than they love Jesus, and the church is now producing more theologians than it is disciples, right, because there's so much argument over what's heavy that we ain't, like, like, you think about justification, okay, right, this doctrine of justification, how does it affect me as a husband? If we're going to talk about justification, right, I get it, right? Uh, I know it's a whole lot of letters, but how, do I, how does this affect me as a wife? How does this affect me as a son or a daughter or a student, right? I, I want to, I I if I can, put this word justification in a blender for you. I want to chop it up to make it easily digestible, not only for the adults in the room, but also for my kids and teens. Hear this, to be justified or to, uh, uh, is simply being made right with God. That's all it is, right? Justification, it means to, that uh, being justified, being made right with God and being right with God, right, is amazing, right? Because we are sinful people. And if we can walk back to Romans 3, right, Paul talking to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 3, right, begins, right, um, I, I'll tell you, right, uh, uh, if you ever used a lawnmower before, right, old school lawnmowers, right, some new ones, they got a primer. Right. And what and what, what it does is, right, you got to press the primer. And what happens is it's allowed the fuel to get into the engine. Right. So that when you start up, right, you can go do the job. Well, well, Romans three. Was the primer for Romans four and five, because as Paul is writing to the church at Rome about this theological term justification in Romans three, he wanted to prime us so that we can understand why we ought to be excited to be right with God. Well, where did he press the primer? He pressed the primer button in Romans 3, beginning at verse 10. How do I know it? Because he says this, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongues, they use their tongues to deceive. Venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace. They have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He continued, Sister Lanisha, to prime it, right? In, in Romans 3.23, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, right, that was his way of saying everybody is Toe up from the flow up and because of your sin, because of your wickedness in your own strength, in your own power, you can never be made right with God on your own. Justification is awesome. Because even though at one point or another we were sinful, even though we were totally depraved, totally wicked, we can be made right with God. Hallelujah. Those of us who are sinful, right, um, we are made right with God. Well, how are we made right with God? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Christ. Yes, all of us have sinned, but God, with his undeserved kindness, declares us righteous. Hear this. He doesn't just declare us righteous, but he declares us righteous through Christ who freed us from the penalty of our sin. Hallelujah. Somebody give me another mic, please. He, he, he declares us. He declares us righteous, not 
own, by our own strength, but simply because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, right? We are justified, we are made right when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his own blood on the cross. Yeah, we are wicked. Yeah, none of us are perfect, but without Holy Spirit, y'all, we can't even seek God. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, hear this, we're made right with God. Hallelujah. We're made right with God because he who knew no sin took all sin of sinful men. We are justified. We are made right with God. We are made right with God. And hear this, justification is God's declaration that the believing sinner is righteous, hear this, in Christ. It is righteousness credited to our account. But hear this, we don't deserve it. But God has given us grace through faith. He, he has given it to us by grace through faith. We are justified, declared righteous. Hear this, at the moment of our salvation. At the moment of salvation, the moment we respond to the gospel call, we are pronounced righteous. But hear this, hear this. Justification does not make you righteous. It pronounces you righteous. It's important to know that, right? Justification, right, does not make us righteous, but rather pronounces us righteous. As we have already learned about justification, y'all, and how we are justified, which is by grace through faith. But what we got to understand is that the greatest joy that we could ever experience is being right with God. And here in the text, here in the text, right, uh, Paul begins to rest his case that God justifies sinner on the basis of faith alone, and he turned his attention to counter that notion that although believers receive salvation by faith, it'll be preserved by works. Meaning that there's no way you can experience the power of God and not change. Being right with God affects your behavior. Being right with God affects how you deal with people. Being right with God affects the words that come out of your mouth. Being right with God affects how you live in the context of marriage. Being right with God affects how you live in the context of son or daughter. Being right with God affects how you live in the context of church member. Being right with God affects how you live in the context of missionary. Yeah, hear this. We are saved by grace through faith, but it's preserved by how we live for God. It's being obedient to God that preserves our justification. No, I'm not putting our good works before the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But what I am saying is because the person and work of the Holy Spirit is active in your life, it pushes you to do good works. Okay, you need scripture. Here it is. Light and darkness can't dwell in the same place. God said, let there be light. And there was. Right. Understand this. Right. Paul here argues 
that they are bound, that we are bound eternally to Christ, preserved by his power and not by human effort, y'all. For us to be kept in Christ isn't by nothing that we're able to do on our own. It's simply by the divine, the, 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 the divine power, the mighty power, the supernatural power of God that we are saved. We are made right with God by his power, not by nothing that we're able to do on our own. Yeah, we're preserved by good works, but hear this, right? The only reason we're able to do good works is because of the, the Spirit of God is at work in our life. The greatest joy in life is being right with God. But what's great about this, what's great about this being the greatest joy, it's such a joy to be right with God because being right with God, if y'all was looking for a shout, here it is. The joy of being right with God, one of the joys in it is that it comes with some amazing benefits. It comes with some amazing benefits. It's almost like, y'all know, um, bless the Lord, oh my soul, with all that's in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not his benefits. Right? What has happened, maybe for you, I'll say for me, right? I'll speak for me, and maybe it's come as a question for you. Have you forgotten the benefits of being right with God? It's the simple things of life that we overlook. The joys that come with the Lord, we tend to overlook. Why is it? Because when life is life and we forget that God be God in two. When life is is wreaking havoc on the inside of us, right? Things are happening that we don't recognize. Things make us uncomfortable. But then what happens is we close the curtain, hide under the cover and stop answering the phone. When we know really that God has wired us not to be on an island, but to be in community. There are some amazing benefits that that, that come with being in right relationship with God. So if, right, you are in right relationship with God and you have forgotten the benefits of right relationship, I want to I want to I want to uh, um, stir you to that. I want to remind you through Romans five, right, the benefits that you have of being right with God. Right. When we by his power are made right. Paul here um, in Romans five verses one through eleven shows us five benefits of being being right with God. He shows us five benefits. Number one. Here it is. When you're right with God. Number one, we have peace with God. That's a benefit. You have peace with God when we are justified by God, made right with God. When we are in right relationship with God, the first benefit that our text shows us is that we have peace with God. It's in the text. Watch this. He says, therefore. Now, y'all already know where I'm going with this, right? Whenever you see the word therefore, you got to know. You got to know what it's there for, right? So so Romans 1 through Romans 3, right, he begins having a conversation with us about sin, about the importance of the gospel, how all of us are impacted by said sin and need, right, to be renewed by the power of the gospel. Chapter 2, he talks to us about how God is the only judge. Chapter 3, he talks to us about sin and its consequences. Chapter 4, he says, although chapter 3 is real, right, your sin has you weighed down, right? You can be made right with God simply because of the finished work of Christ. So he says, therefore, everything that happened in the first four chapters, therefore, since you have been justified by faith, he says in verse one, we have peace with God. How do we have peace with God? Not through your actions. 
Not through anything that you've done, but you have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear this. There's an assumption being made here that Christ is Lord. We don't have a problem accepting Christ as Savior because nobody wants to live in hell, then die and go to hell. That's not our problem. Everybody want to be saved. Why right? Our problem is accepting Christ as Lord. Right. Because Christ being your Lord means that you allow him to control every aspect of your life. Having Christ as Lord says that, Lord, I want to take my hands off my life. Even if you got to cut off my fingers, I want you to be in control of it. So he says, right, you have peace with God through your Lord. Right. Maybe one of the reasons why you don't have peace is because Christ ain't your Lord. Maybe it's difficult for you to have peace with God simply because you are trying to control and you won't let him control it. He is sovereign. He's infinite ruler and he ought to have control over you. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing about peace. Peace is a great combination of hope, trust and a quiet mind and soul brought about by being reconciled with God. There's so much peace that comes when you reconcile to the Father. Listen, y'all, peace with God isn't just some personal sense of calm and patience, but it's an external objective reality. God has declared himself to be at war with every human being because of man's sinful rebellion against him and his laws. But when we are made right with God, hear this, the sinner's war with God ends forever because we are now his, because you are now his. You have peace with him. See, when you have peace with God, right, it means no more worrying about the things you can't change. When you have peace with God, it means no more stressing about the things that you can't fix. When you have peace with God, what you're saying is, um, I'm going to take what life presents and trust God with all that's in me. It might be uncomfortable, but because I'm right with God, I know it's going to be worth it. When we are justified, when we're made right with God, a benefit is that we have peace with God. There's no longer a war with God because you are now empowered by his spirit, right? You now seek God daily. You don't have to be at war with God anymore because he's taken up residence in your heart. And because he's taken up residence in your heart, you can embody what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of Christ. You'll never be the real thing, but you can show, get close to it. Why? Because the spirit of God is at work in your life. Y'all, let's stop making excuses as to why we can't be obedient and trust the power of God to make us obedient. Because of the spirit of God within us, y'all, we've been empowered to live according to the word and not rebel against it. There was a time, though, when we were enemies of God. But now in Christ, we have peace with God. Peace with God means that our problem with sin has been settled by the blood of Christ. God is, let, let me tell you this. When you have peace with God, you realize that God is your father, not your judge. When you have peace with him, he no longer has to judge you, right? Because you have peace with him. He's taking a residence in you. Okay, you need scripture. Scripture says it this way. Tell, he tells the church, he tells believers, he says, y'all judge who inside the church, I'll judge those who are on the outside. He's a heavenly, gracious father. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you, right? Do you know that part of the job of a father is to hold you accountable? 
He don't have to judge you because he's going to hold you accountable. How, what is he holding you accountable to? To his word. Right? Thank God for peace. Peace with God means living without fear. Thank God for peace. Peace with God means that there is no need for me to worry about what I can't change or what I can't control because I have the privilege to put all that I am in his hands, every burden, every problem, every unanswered question, I can put it in his hands because I got peace with God. We got to learn to start thanking God for the peace that we have as a benefit of being right with him. Right. I love what the scripture says in Philippians four. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will not only guard your heart, but will also guard your mind in Christ. When you got peace with God, you don't have to worry about what the world is talking about or what they're doing because your heart is guarded. Your mind is guarded. You got peace with God. But I love it. Right. Come here. Uh, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. What am I saying? The greatest joy in his life is being right with God. And because we are right with God, number one, we have peace with God. But not only do we have peace with God, that's one benefit. It's a really good benefit, but there's another benefit that he shows us here in this text. Not only do we have peace with God, number one, but number two, because you are in right relationship with God, here it is, you have access to God. You have access to God. Right. See, that's the joy of justification and being made right with God, because as a husband, as a father, right, as a student, as a kid, right, you have access to God when you're in right relationship. Here's what he says. He says, through him, who's him? It's Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Have you ever been in a building where you need a swipe card to go places. You need others to let you in so that you can move around. Otherwise, you, you are immobile. <laughs> Pastor Baker, you trapped in between two doors, right? Hear this. Many times, y'all, life has us feeling that way. We feel stuck in life as if we're immobile or trapped. But hear this. Through Jesus. We have a special swipe card with God. We can come to him in times of joy. You can come to him in times of sorrow. You can come to him in peace. Um, and even when you're feeling anxious, right, you can come to him in plenty and dire need. Hear this. Because you are in right relationship with God, God is available for you 24-7, 365. Right there, the, the, the ever present spirit of God guides us in all things. There is nothing that can stop us from drawing near to God. In fact, scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near unto you. Because we are right with God, we have access to God. There's nothing that can stop us from, from drawing near to God except for your sin and rebellion. Jesus, right? Um, if you read right uh the word of God, you find that Jesus is called Emmanuel. He is God with us. We can draw close to God as much as we want, right? Don't, don't, don't like 
I, I, I love Keisha being right with God because it makes me feel unique. Right. It makes me feel privileged that I ain't got to go into a closet with a thin wall between me and some priest because I can get on my knees myself and say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. I can beat on his door and say, God, I come to you as humbly as I know how asking you, God, to do what only you can do. God, I got pain in my body. God, I don't God, my mind ain't always right. God, I don't know what to do here, God, but I just want to beat on your door. We got access to the father because we've been made right with him i love jesus though because jesus jesus in his sermon on the mount right and when he was preaching right he was um jesus was somewhere right in chapter seven around his third close every good sermon gotta have three closes Right. Jesus was somewhere around his third close in Matthew seven. And he says this. He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you for whoever asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. What is he saying? Be persistent because as my son, as my daughter, you always have access to me. Right? You don't need no daytime minutes. Right? Right? You can even call me when you ain't got no Wi-Fi. Right? Because my ear is always available. You have access. He, he inclined his ear to us. When you are right with God, you have access to God. That which is unthinkable in Old Testament Jews, right, is now available for, to all who come to Christ. I love that, right? Hebrews 4, the writer says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Before our salvation, <laughs> watch this, before our salvation, we stood in Adam and we were condemned, but now in Christ, we have a perfect standing before God and we can enter into his presence. We have access to God, but I love how Paul says it in Ephesians 2. Hear this. He says, so then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those who called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Here it is. But now in Christ, you were you who were far off or far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in its flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through uh, the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him. We both have here this access in one spirit to the father. So then because you have access, he said, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. I love that in him. The whole building being put together grows into a temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Hear this. The greatest joy in life 
is being right with God. Because you are right with God, yeah, you have peace with God, but you also have access to God. Because you have access to God, no matter what's going on in your life, you can call on him. You can worship him. You can praise his name. You can place your faith in him. See, the word of God actually compels us to draw near to God, right? It's provided it's in full assurance of faith. Y'all, faith has no power or value unless its object is perfect. And because our object is perfect, we can put our faith in him. Not only faith that brings full assurance to your heart is faith in Jesus, but he's the founder and the perfecter of your faith. So certainly you should want to lean and depend on him. You have access to God. In Christ, we have immediate and direct access to God. Here's the question. What burdens do you need to bring to his throne? What is it that you're holding on to because you don't think he hears you? I promise you he hears. Matter of fact, He already knows what it is. He just wants you to tell him. Right? Scripture scripture makes clear. He knows before you even ask. Well, well, Pastor, that's that's redundant, right? Why do I got to tell him if he already knows? Because telling him proves to him that you trust him with it. You have access to God. Don't let your burdens weigh you down. Give it to him. Why can I give it to him? Because of the third benefit. Here it is. Because you're right with God, we have hope in God. We can take it to him because we have hope in him, right? Again, verse 2, he says, through whom also we have, uh, uh, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, hope. It's this confident expectation that God is going to do just what he said. Do you know if God said he's going to do it, you can take it to the bank. God does not change. He is who he said he is. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to be who he said he's going to be. That's why we can hope in him, have confident expectation that God is going to do just what he said. Hope, really hope, honestly hope. Is what distinguishes um, the Christian from the unbeliever who has no hope. Hope resides really in those who believe in Christ. Hope comes from God. Hope, right, is God's calling. Hope is God's grace. Hope is God's word. Hope is really the gospel, right? The fact that God chose to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The fact that Jesus took our very sin on his back, right, died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose from the grave with all power in his hands. And the fact that he did that for us means that we can hope in him, right? Remember this, First John 2, right? He said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you won't sin, but because I know you will, right? You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's the propitiation, not just for your sins, but the sins of the whole world. Meaning that, hey, you have hope, right? Not only for tomorrow, but you're able to have peace for today simply because there's a propitiation, right? What Jesus did on the cross was satisfactory for you to be in right relationship. What do I have to do? Jesus paid it all. All you got to do is believe it and put your faith in him. We have hope in him. Since hope is really what separates, right, believers and unbelievers, y'all, not only must we have hope here, but we, but, but, but the text shows us that we got to rejoice in it. Right, think about, right, your kid, if you was to get them that new PlayStation 5, all of a sudden, they're going to learn how to shout then. 
right? They'll learn how to have a reason, right? But think about the hope of God that he's extended into your life as, as keys to that new car. Check this out that you ain't even have to pay for. You got to rejoice in hope, right? Literally, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The unsaved person without hope can't hope in the glory because he ain't got it. We cannot boast in good works that bring salvation, but we can boast in the wonderful salvation God has given us in Christ. Hope contains no uncertainty. It speaks of something, y'all. Hope speaks of something that is certain, right? It speaks of something. Hear this. That's certain but not yet realized. That's hope. When we are justified, we hope and we rejoice in it. Y'all listen, in any walk of life, there will be times of great blessing, but there will also be times of great difficulty. There will be times, y'all, when we feel full of joy and there will be times when, when, you are, when you feel quite desperate, honestly. But in his word, God calls us to steady tenacity. He calls us to grit. He calls us to stick to itiveness. He calls us, right, to persevering over the long haul. And the hope that Paul is speaking about here in this text is what the New Testament calls the hope, the, the great and glorious hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. The hope that we have is not located in this world. But it's not in this, it is not in this world but it's in the new world. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. It's not in this world that we live. It's in the new world into which Christ will bring us at the time of his second coming. You want to rejoice in the hope of Christ? I'm going to tell you how. Pastor, like, like you telling me hope is a benefit, but I don't always feel like I have hope. So, so how do I get this hope? I'm going to tell you, you get hope, right? You can hope. Hope in the glory of God by stop indulging in false hope. Things that make you promises that he can't keep. Right? People who say they're going to do something don't do. You don't place your hope in them. You place your hope in Jesus, right? That you said it this way, Davina, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, all other folks, all other thought is it's sinking sand. I'm going to hope on Jesus, right? You want to have hope that last stop indulging in false hope. But, 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 but one of the things that I'll suggest to us to hope in the glory of God is that we have to recognize short-term short uncertainty, but learn to rejoice in long-term security. We hang our hats on temporary things, but, but continue to beg God to do something eternal. He says, I've already done something eternal. It's Jesus. Hang your hat on him. Hang your hat on his word. Hang your hat on what he said, right? I, I, okay, you need scripture. Okay, man makes his plans. But the Lord orders his steps. If you find yourself hopeless because you've made plans that have not come to fruition, ask yourself, am I making these plans or am I entrusting these plans to God? Right. Pastor Baker would always give this illustration about a canvas. Right. And he would always talk about how we have to present ourselves to God as a blank canvas. Right. You know, uh, like you got to present yourself to God as a blank canvas and ask him to write on you. Right. If if God is Picasso. Right. And he, he stands back and looks at the painting he drew. What does he wants to see? He wants to see himself. 
He wants to see himself in you, right? What pastor, you mean to tell me that I ain't supposed to make plans? That ain't what I'm saying. I'm saying entrust those to the Lord, right? Think about it this way. Scripture says, write the vision. Well, what vision am I writing? The one God gave you, right? You have to align your vision with God's vision. That's what you can hope in because, because too many times we write our own vision and ask God to bless it. That's backwards. That's backwards. And we wonder why we're lonely. We wonder why we seem to be losing everything around us. We got to place our hope in him, right? Yeah, man, we make our plans. But what if, what if we made our plans based off of the steps that were ordered by God? The greatest joy in life is being right with God and we can hope in him. I love what first Peter says. First Peter one, three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again <laughs> to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Hear this. What does that verse mean? It means that because we are right with God, there's benefits that we have that are right with God, and those benefits are never going away. He, he's not, he ain't reneging. <laughs> he ain't saying, oh, I got five books. No, I was just playing, I got three. No. <laughs> he's saying what you have from being in right relationship with me, the peace that you give, the access that you have, the hope that you have through being right with me, I'm not taking it back. It's here for the long haul, right? The greatest joy in life is being right with God. We can hope in him. Number four, here it is. Here it is. When you're in right relationship with God, this text helps us to see number four, that we have daily confidence because of God. We have daily confidence because of God. Watch what he says in verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice. Hallelujah. This, this Pastor Baker, almost feel like it separates the wheat from the turn. Now, he says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. <laughs> That's a game changer, Elder Shelton, because... We rejoice at the birthday party. We rejoice when we get what we want. We rejoice when things are going our way. But the question, what do you do when you suffer? What happens to your confidence when things ain't going your way? What happens to your confidence, right, when people don't understand your way of thinking and nobody sides with you? Not only that, but rejoice in our suffering. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Pastor Darren, that presents a paradigm shift for us. Why can't we last for the long haul? Because we don't want to go through nothing. We, we have a hard time with endurance because we don't want to suffer, right? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Uh-oh. Why do we have bad character? Because we don't want to go through nothing. We, we can't last for the long haul, right? Endurance produces character and character produces hope. Why does character produce hope? 
Because the more and more you allow, right, the endurance and the suffering that, that God has placed in your life, that, that God uses your suffering to shape you. And because you know that it's God shaping you, you realize, you know what? I can trust him. Okay, come here, James. Count it all joy when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, right? We, 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 do you lack in your faith because you don't, you don't know how to count it joy? Do you lack in your faith, right, because you don't want your faith tested? Life, for some reason, has its way of presenting us with its fair share of trials. When those trials come, we typically ask a question, why me? But I want to flip that on his head today if I can, soon to be Deacon Rory. <laughs> Why not you? Why not you? I want to encourage you today by, by saying that since you have been made right with God, those trials that you experience, those trials that we experience are there to build character in us. Those trials are there to make you stronger, right? The trials that we experience in this life builds endurance. I heard it said this way. But Mike, he says, when we're tired, when we get tired in our strengths, it's a sign that you're running in your own strengths. When you get tired, it's a sign that you are running in your own strength. But when you're made right with God, God grants us confidence that no matter what this life presents, we'll be able to smile through it. Right? I think that Kirk Franklin was on to something. Not on something, but on to something. Right? <laughs> yeah, shaky. Right? <laughs> but he says, I smile. Even when I hurt, so I smile. Even when I've been here for a while, I smile. <laughs> then he says, you look so much better when you smile. Right? He was talking about spiritually. <laughs> we got to learn, right, that because we're right with God, we have confidence and you can smile even in the midst of pain. No matter what comes our way and, um, and going, like when you're going in, when you're pressing through life, right? You got to learn to give glory to God through it. One of my favorite passages of scripture, Nate, is 1 Peter 4, 12. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to test you as though some strange thing were happening to you. What he was saying is that why are you surprised that you're suffering? I already told you it was going to happen. But then, but then he says, but hear this. Not only should you not be surprised that you're suffering, but you ought to rejoice in it because you ain't suffering by yourself because you're suffering with Christ. I'll tell you, I would much rather suffer with Christ than without him. The confidence that God gives you helps you to weather the storm. Let me tell you, the issue is not your storm. The issue is not your suffering. Well, what's the issue? The issue is your response to it. We all going to go through something. We all going to experience pain. But how are you responding to it? Or are you running? But I want to tell you, when suffering is happening in your life, believe me, you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You got to go through it. Right? Think about this. All of the complaining that we was doing a couple of weeks ago about all these storms and all this rain that we had. It was a pain while we was going through it. 
But now that we almost having weeks and days without it, farmers are happy because it produces crops. Right. What what do we get from that? You got to have confidence even in the storm, because as you're going through the storm, maybe it's God trying to water the crops in your life. Maybe it's some fruit that God wants to produce right on the very ground of your heart. But in order for you to produce it, he got to take you through something. He got to make you uncomfortable. He got to surround you around some people who don't think like you, who don't worship like you, who don't handle things like you. Maybe, just maybe, God is pushing you to really learn how to deal with somebody other than yourself. Because we, because of the hope, the confidence, the expectancy that we have for the future, y'all, or God allows us to have confidence that today, hear this, everything's going to be all right. The formula looks like this. Testing plus Christ equals patience. Patience plus Christ equals character. Experience. Experience plus Christ equals hope. Note that, y'all, we don't glory over trials or about trials, but we glory in trials. Right? There are things, y'all, in life that we can't get around. We can't run from it, but we got to endure it to the end. Why? Because it builds character. Ecclesiastes 9. And again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not given to the swift nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happens to them all. The greatest joy in life is being right with God. And because you're right with God, you have confidence for the day's journey. I'm closing, but I want to ask you something. What's your greatest joy in this life? Nothing that we will ever experience here compares to the joy that we experience by being in right relationship with God. That's not something that we can experience in our own power, but simply because of the finished work of Jesus, y'all, we can be in right relationship with the Father. The greatest joy in this life is being right with God. And when you've been justified, when you've been made right by God, you receive benefits. These benefits aren't going away. There for the long haul. God equips us with some special tools needed to really preserve your justification. When you are right with God, when you are justified by God, you have peace with God. You have access to God. You hope in God. You have daily confidence because of God. I'm closing, but here's the last point. Number five. We experience the love of God. When you're right with God, you experience his love. I want to tell you this love, love of God has nothing to do with a red heart in a box full of chocolates. But the love that we experience from God is based off an empty cross. Watch what he says in verse five. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts poured into our hearts through Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the love for why we were still weak at the right time. Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died 
for us. I remember a time whenever you talk about Christ died, the church would get into an uproar. It would get into a frenzy just thinking about how this man did for me what I could not do for myself. This man, right, who was innocent, right? His fingerprints wasn't on nothing, right? He was innocent. He was perfect, but we were not. While we were weak, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? He died for us, and since that Therefore, we have now been justified, made right by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You want to know what the love of God looks like? It looks like you being set free simply because Jesus poured out his spirit in your heart, but he poured out his blood on the cross for you. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? He says, more than that, we also rejoice, hallelujah, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. When you are right with God, right, you experience the love of God. How do I experience the love of God? Because through Jesus' finished work on the cross, we have the privilege to be reconciled to God. You've been living broken, trying to figure this out all on your own, be reconciled to God. You want to you, you, you figure out life here? The best way to figure out life here is to grab a hold of life there. Be reconciled to God. Reconciled to God, see? Listen to this. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit sheds God's love to us and through us. God, he revealed his love at the cross when Christ died for those who were without strength. Y'all, it was us without strength. We were ungodly, sinners, enemies, proving what makes his love so great. Paul's argument is this. If God did all of this for us while we were his enemies, how much more will he do for us now that we his children? Isn't that enough to trust him? Isn't that enough to lean and depend on him? We are saved by Christ's death, but we are also saved by his life as the power of his resurrection operates in our lives. I love it. Because being right with God don't leave you naked to figure things out on your own. There's benefits in being right with God. What are you doing with your benefit? There's peace with God when you're right with him. Have you learned to rest in the peace of God? The peace of God really means that you got to learn to embody Psalms 4610. What does it say? Be still and know I'm God. Peace says things may not happen as fast as you want them to. But it'll happen right when God wants it to. When you're right with God, you have access to the Father. I want you to know today, you can call out on you can call out to the to the Father. You ain't got to wait for me to extend the invitation. You ain't got to wait for us to fill the altar today, right? You can call out to the Lord. I wonder, is it six people who said, you know what, since I got access to God, I want to take advantage of this moment to call his name. God, you're worthy. Hallelujah. God, you're perfect. God, you are just. Hallelujah. We worship you, God.
Thank you for making us right with you, God. Hallelujah. God, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for confidence in you. Thank you for boldness in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for strength. Thank you, Lord, for joy. Hallelujah. Thank you for allowing us to experience your love. Hallelujah. Thank you for showing us your heart, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for listening to us. God, you're the creator of all things. You are perfect, God. You are holy, God. You are worthy, God. All worship belongs to you. Hallelujah. God, you make us right. If you're here today, if you're here, if you're here, and maybe you're here and you don't feel like you have peace with God, we would love to pray with you. Come, come, come. Maybe you're here and you wrestle through what it really means to have access to God. Come. We would love to pray with you. Let's kick the door down together. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here and you lack confidence. Now is the time. Allow God to build your confidence. Hallelujah. Now is the time. Maybe you're here and, and right you're just like, God, I want to experience your love in a greater way. Come, 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 come now. Hallelujah. Come now. Hallelujah. God, you're worthy. Hallelujah. God, you're awesome. Hallelujah. 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 God, you're amazing. Hallelujah. God, you're magnificent. Hallelujah. God, our life is not our own. Hallelujah. Thank you for benefits of being right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want you to know, God, that we adore you. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church podcast. We hope you were encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.